streaming live to you guys on Facebook. Got another episode of Money Mythbusters coming to you guys. And uh, we are on episode four, really episode four this time, Nate. Last time you threw me off a little <laughs> bit in the beginning. Uh, but uh, episode four, a fun topic today. But before we get started, Nate, how are you? How's your week been? It's been a busy one, but uh, glad it's Friday. Happy Friday. Hopefully you I got hope. some fun plans for the weekend. Tax day, right? We got through that. And so if you didn't file taxes too late, you're, <laughs> it's going to be a rough one for you. But uh, hopefully you guys all forgot about it already and had filed way back in March or April. But uh, today, less about taxes, more about uh, real estate. Okay. And so the myth today is going to be discussing uh, the idea about renting versus buying, but it's really uh, the idea around, hey, you know what? I am wasting money by paying someone else's mortgage. So we'll get into that one second, right? So before we do that, um, first off, uh, what we talk about here today, of course, always is for educational purpose only. And because we don't know you, we're not talking to you guys directly. Uh, this isn't meant to be personal financial advice or strategy to you guys, okay? Um, uh, in addition to that, like when we, today it's not going to be about an investment topic uh, per se for an asset type uh situation, but it, if we're ever talking about investments, uh, it's not meant to be a solicitation to buy. Okay. Um, again, it's only for touching on the education side. Okay. Uh, finally, any tax information that we talk about uh, is not meant to be uh, coming to you as someone who is a tax preparer, right? Um, it's something that we're just talking about taxes in general. Uh, and so uh, if you ever need tax advice, uh, that's something that you should go to your tax preparer uh, to talk directly about and ask them questions about. Okay. All right, so uh, a little bit of a different uh, approach today when we talk about the myth, okay? Uh, our spreadsheet guru is gonna actually share with you guys a little bit of some calculations to think about. Uh, it's good because it's gonna help you guys visualize some of the thoughts around is renting versus buying? Like, is it always the right thing to buy the house and when is that true, okay? And so for us, we're gonna get started. We're gonna start talking about that topic right now, Nate. What are your thoughts? Is it always something that makes sense to buy versus renting? What do you think? Yeah, that's a really good question. And thanks for prefacing our little setup change for today. <laughs> I'm going to do a little screen share for us. Uh, I love spreadsheets. So I'm going to cover this in broad strokes. Okay. There are some nuances to this, but let's just cover broad strokes. So we're here in San Francisco. Let's use San Francisco as an example. Uh, an entry starter home is probably going to be something in the million dollar range. Unfortunately, it's also not going to be a single family home. So I'll talk about that in just a minute. So we've got a million dollar home here. Let's talk about all the costs that you're going to incur, things that you're not going to be recovering and necessarily home equity. So trying to make a apples to apples comparison between renting and home ownership. So as a homeowner of this million dollar home, property tax in California and San Francisco here is about 1.2%. So that's going to be $12,000 a year of cost, breaking into monthly increments of $1,000 of cost. Now, probably going to do a 20% down payment. And so you're going to take on an 80% mortgage, $800,000 mortgage in this example. So rates are fluctuating, but approximately $3,800 is going to be your mortgage payment. Of that, some of that is principal payments. We're going to call it about $2,600 a month is interest. Again, that's a true cost interest. So uh, go ahead and actually insure that home. It's probably going to be about $1,200 a year. We're going to call that $100 a month. Now, the fourth item here is going to fluctuate from year to year, but appliances break, uh, 
uh, maintenance needs to happen, improvement, painting your house, things like that. So we're going to call it a couple hundred dollars a month budgeted for maintenance and improvement. And again, since this is probably not a single family home in San Francisco here, you're probably going to have HOA fees. HOA fees vary dramatically here in San Francisco, but we're going to call it $500 a month. So every single month, you're going to be spending $4,400 a month of costs that you're not recovering. These are, these are costs true cost, just like rent is a true cost to you. And then the two other costs that we'd like to point out here are one-time costs. And those one-time costs for our calculations are going to be averaged out over the time period that you actually own this home, right? Mm. It's not common necessarily for people to buy a home and live in it for the rest of their lives. People tend to want to move up or move away and things happen. So in this example, closing costs. So closing costs are talking appraisal fee, inspection fee, loan origination fee, credit fee, all these different costs, generally, as an estimate, we're going to be paying about 1% to take possession and to purchase this home. So on a million-dollar home, that's $10,000 up front. And then there's an exit fee, right? So as a, uh, as a transaction, you as the seller pay all of the realtor fee. You pay the buying agent, you pay the selling agent. Approximately, it's 6%. Uh, and so that 6% is going to vary depending on what that future sale price is. But if you say own it for seven years of time, uh, you're ending up going to, uh, assuming maybe a 5%, 6 uh, uh, actually, let me back up. If you're going to be selling a million dollar home and we want to break even on this cost, you're going to end up spending $65,000 as a realtor fee on top of the $10,000 in closing costs. So that's $75,000 of cost that you have to amortize over the seven-year holding period here. So I take these two costs, divided by seven years, divided by 12 months, we're sitting at an extra $785 of cost. So we're looking at almost $800 a month of extra costs. We're looking at $5,200 of additional costs. That's true costs that you're not going to recover. Again, if we're going to rent a similar home, we're probably looking at about $3,800 to rent a million-dollar home. And so in this example... Uh, we're going to let rent inflate, not common, that it's going to stay at $3,800 forever. And so 3800 times uh, 3% annual inflation times seven years, on average, we're going to be paying about $4,100 of cost. So you can see here, $1,000 a month difference. And so in order for this to make sense for the home purchase side of things, that home has to grow, right? We have to sell it for more than we originally bought it for. It's looking like a $90,000 uh, asset improvement, right? We have to sell it for almost 1.1 million just to break even. So we're looking, looking at almost a 9% gain over the next seven years, which broken into annual increments, not a lot, 1%, 1.2% gain. Um, but it is something that is required to happen. And even though we're in San Francisco, our real estate historically grows at 5%, 6% annually over time, may not be true for all of the US, right? And so that asset growth is an important factor just to break even here. Uh, of course, when we're buying real estate, the hope is actually to make money um, versus renting. Let's say that it's not this seven-year threshold, though, right? Everyone talks about, hey, seven years is a good time for you to own a property somewhere between seven and 10 years is the norm. What if you're thinking like, hey, I can make money, flip this in three years and walk away looking pretty? May not be the case, right? We're looking at the same cost here. Now we have to amortize those costs over only three years, right? So now it's an almost an extra $2,000 a month. We're looking at $6,200 a month of sunk costs compared mm. to $3,900 of rent, almost $2,300 a month more 
to, to own this home versus renting this home. It's quite a bit of difference. Now, it's still over only three years, and so we still have a similar total asset uh, improvement that we need. But now the annualized growth rate is double, uh, and, and that becomes concerning, concerning for some areas. And who knows? I mean, you may also you know, buy this home at the wrong time, maybe buying it right at the peak of a market cycle, and then the next few years the market you know, has a little bit of a dip, although it hasn't happened in 10 years, especially with the loan forbearances happening right now, rent moratoriums happening right now. It is very plausible that over the next three years, three years we do see negative returns. Again, so looking at this as an example, it may not make sense to buy a home with the thought of, hey, I can sell it for a profit three years from now, and, and it's a good investment. So I know it's a little bit of a different style, but I think showing you some hard numbers no, it's is a, it's good to kind of show the generalities of what it, we're talking about. And I don't, I don't think you were going to bust this, bust this myth without showing some numbers, right? I mean, because it's really ingrained in a lot of people that they don't want to pay rent. I don't want to throw away rent. And I get it, right? Like it feels like when I'm paying rent, it's going nowhere. But I think it's just a little harder for people to see, Nate, like the money in a house that's not going anywhere, right? And, and so, right. and that's such a big piece that we we, we want to talk through and show you that, um, you know, that's not even accounting for what if you have a home or, or a rental that is under rent control, right? And all of a oh, sudden, right. right? Like all of a sudden the math gets even worse, right? Right. Um, and of course, the other end of it is like, you know, what Nate is quoting on a, on a total return at 8%, right over seven years. In the past decade, that's been no problem, right? Like that, that's been, and historically, I think you're okay. But the question is, right, when are you buying it? It's not everyone who bought, you know, bought the house happened to make out better from, from their mm-hmm. rents. And so uh, I think that blanket statement a lot of times bothers us. And in fact, I think a lot of blanket statements bothers us because it's a myth, right? It's not everybody. And it's so much of like, which scenario that you're in, okay? And so when clients ask us, it's like, hey, you know what? I want to buy a house because I don't want to throw away money on rent. We actually pause them there a little bit. It's like, well, let's talk about what you're throwing away. Let's talk about what costs you're actually throwing away when buying the home and then making sure that they have the right expectation when they're buying it and be like, ah, you know what? You're right. Like I may be trading off the rent cost right now, but when I buy and have these other costs and I need to hold for maybe seven years and the property needs to continue to grow for it to have truly made a financial sense. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only person that's going to win for sure is your realtor. If you're constantly buying and selling, <laughs> they're going to love you. Right. Yeah. And, and, and again, you know, the, 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 the realtors do a lot in this process to help you find the right home. And, and so, you know, it's really so much of the uh, process, right, to understand. Right? And, and I think that's what we're here for is for you to understand what the true process looks like. What is the true underlying factors that you're buying out? As I say that, look, Nate and I both own a home, okay? So it's not like, right, like, like we're both sitting here renting. And, 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 and we're doing it, though, because we've looked at the numbers. We've looked at our rent. But then I tell a lot of people buying a home for a primary residence, is it because, like, buying a home for a primary residence, is it because I want to have a backyard and there's a qualitative side to it? Or is it purely quantitative? And I can tell you so much of it is qualitative, right? Like a lot, sometimes half the equation is qualitative, okay? Um, And that's uh, a part of the broad picture that we want you guys to understand in that, you know, we're, 
we're, we're out here doing the Money Mythbusters series so that in each of these topics, you guys are finding a little bit more of the truth to the topic itself versus just what people tell you or what you hear from parents, right? You can actually then make the calculation yourself. I don't, and it, you know, Nate did an equation on, uh, um, you know, a million dollar San Francisco home with HOAs, but you can actually do this conversation on any, or a uh, uh, calculation on any home and find the comparison. Sometimes it's gonna look a little bit better and sometimes it's gonna look a little bit worse, right? And that's why like understanding that will help out a lot, okay? Um, what else? So if we've talked about the, the, the rental side, give us some thoughts, Nate. I mean, you're in San Francisco. I figured we cover this a little bit here. What are some of your thoughts around the work from home situation right now, right? We're both working from home, right? Like it's a question that I'm getting a lot, like, is it something that you're going to, you feel like can affect the rental prices right now in the short term? And, and how do we think about that a little bit? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, if you're trying to, uh, you know, rent a new home, it, this is the best of both worlds for you right now. We're seeing double digit drops in rental prices month over month, the last few months. Uh, a lot of people recognizing if I don't need to be in the expensive city of San Francisco to live, but also I can still earn a paycheck from an expensive San Francisco company. Why not move elsewhere and, and try and bank more savings? I think that's a great idea for a lot of people. Uh, on the buying side of things, though, I, I still feel like we have a lot of people committed to San Francisco that have a lot of cash that have been hoping to buy a home that have just been pushed out. I mean, the, the prices just got away from us the last few years. And so I have seen client transactions still happening close to, you know, asking price. We're not seeing huge discounts on the price, but it's still yet to be seen on the fallout of the economic shutdown. I think with the forbearance allowances taking place, rent moratoriums taking place, we could see still an influx of inventory that would negatively impact our prices for sure. Yeah. Um, and I think lenders are, are also being a little cautious with jumbo loans, right? A lot of us here in San Francisco need to take on higher mortgages than a lot of the U.S. just to be able to afford the expensive price tag of San Francisco homes and lender rates aren't as favorable for that. Um, so I, I think there's still a lot yet to play out that's unknown. So we're not you know, necessarily calling a, a top or a bottom here in San Francisco real estate. But at the end of the day, my personal opinion, I'm, I'm sitting in a San Francisco home that I own myself. Um, so perhaps I'm biased, but I believe that over the next few years, as we return to some level of normal post-COVID, uh, that businesses are still going to want to be in San Francisco. Startups still, you know, happen in person. It is very challenging for founders to connect simply through Zoom. It yeah. is my philosophy. And so I, I think we're maybe going to see an opportunity for people to get into the market the next couple of years. But uh, I think after that, we'll probably resume our normal high prices. Yeah. And, and so much of that is your short-term feelings. And I feel like a lot of, you know, you out there watching, have that feeling that things are skewed, or, 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 you know, your feeling today might be a little skewed, right? I had a client that I was talking to today who lives in San Francisco. I was like, why do I live in San Francisco right now? I can't go out and, uh, you know, grab coffee from my favorite place, potentially. Like the, the things that you're normally used to, right, has changed. So I think that actually has a pretty big impact on, on the rental pricing, people moving out of their rentals right now because they don't see the reason to pay it, but it's probably possible that they move back in in the future, right? Um, so... Awesome. So I think that ties up the myth. So to summarize, right, like in terms of throwing a uh, away money at rent, it's not always true. It depends on your rent. It depends on the cost of the home that you're buying, because there are costs there too that, you know, are quote unquote sunken costs when you buy that home. All right. Now, 
uh, as we head into a uh, preview of next week, it's actually another tie into real estate. But again, a common question we are getting right now. It's about mortgage rates. Rates are extremely low right now, right? And so emails left and right come by and say, Alfred and Nate, like we should refinance, right? Like we should 100% refinance. So the myth that's we're going to talk about a little bit is rates are so low, I have to refinance, okay? And that's going to be a question that varies again, depending on the timing of when you've had the loan, right? So join us next week, Friday, four o'clock. It's going to be a time that we're going to consistently do here for our series. Um, and uh, we'll help bust that myth next week. Uh, for today, again, just want to remind everybody that uh, what we're talking about is from that education purpose, right? Uh, we don't want you to construe this as personal financial advice. Uh, and finally, if any of this is interesting to you guys uh, and you want to learn more directly with us, visit us at compasscmg.com to learn more about our services or drop us a comment in the video of what you want to hear about, uh, any feedback that you want to uh, see from these uh, series, we'll uh, always be wanting to tie that back into our future episodes. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nate. Uh, another episode completed and we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Looking forward to it. Have a great weekend. Bye.